Hey, metalheads, it's time once again to grab your knobs and twist them to 11. Crank it up. It's time for the power and the glory heavy metal podcast. Hey, everybody, it's JD Scott. I'm back. That's right. Episode three. It's time to turn it off and run or stick around and get pissed. Anyway, this is episode three of the Power and the Glory Heavy Metal Podcast. And this week we're going to talk about that split that happened in the mid of the 80s there. We'll be kind of splitting into two different camps with our metal music taste, going in two different directions, and which brought us to this giant thing of subgenres today. I know some of them are needed, but some of them are fucking ridiculous. So we'll talk about that a little in depth. And we'll talk some new bands, too, and get some updates on maybe Time Rifts and maybe some Silver Talon updates. And what the hell? Let's talk about some Armored Saint. What do you say? So stick around, grab your drink, kick back, and let's do this. Welcome, Ribbonheads. Get ready for the Power and the Glory Heavy Metal Podcast. Grab some whiskey, grab some brews, kick back, and listen to this fucker ramble. Ah, yes, and ramble I shall, because I'm very good at that. I'm a professional. (laughs) Hi, I'm J.D. Scott. I host this silly little podcast. This is the Power and the Glory Heavy Metal Podcast, mainly focusing on traditional metal, the old stuff, and the new stuff. And uh, it is Friday night, and uh, I have no life. Even before the lockdown, I went nowhere except for shows (laughs) when I could. And uh, yeah, I'm old and tired, so I don't get to do it a lot, but... Anyway, uh, you got your drink? I got my drink. Let's have a little sip of whiskey or whatever you got there. All right, that's to flattening the curve. We're still going down, it looks like. Uh, looks like some of the states are going to possibly start opening back up and get the, the economy trying to get going again. I see Georgia open today. Don't be stupid down there, okay? <laughs> Let's not spread this shit, okay? You don't need to go get a tattoo right now. <laughs> yeah, the tattoo parlors are now you know, open. Let's go bowling and get a tattoo. Probably not a good idea at this time. <laughs> anyway, if you listen to us on Spotify, thank you very much. You can also find us on anchor.com. You can go down and download that free app for your device. So you can get all our episodes and other actual pro- professional podcasts to listen to. <laughs> We're also on Radio Public, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Pocket Cast and of course Spotify and I had an email today I'm, this podcast is on something else I don't remember I'll, I'll say it at the end I'll have to look it up again it's another another site and we appreciate that and we try to do this every week or I try to do this every week anyway on Friday nights and they're usually up by Saturday morning if I don't get too drunk and forget to upload them <laughs> anyway this week uh Metal becomes two camps. Yes, this is the split. How the subgenre game began. Yes, I'm slurring a little. Um, metal becomes two camps with the rise of heavier, faster metal and how the LA strip bands take over America. Both camps there. Clearly pushing metal into two different directions. We'll touch on the us and them mentality of both fans of each genre and how that further spurred specific subgenres. Fucking shit subgenres. <laughs> We've got so many today. So, so many. Uh, I don't know. I guess it's like porn. It's very specific. <laughs> you search for it anyway. Oh, uh, yeah. We've come a long way, haven't we? Plus, uh, of course, later on at the end of the show, we're going to do some band updates. Um, I think uh, Time Rift, I'll update you on those guys. Uh, I'll see if I can dig up some Silver Talon news. And, of course, uh, 
we got some news about Armored Saint that's pretty cool. So stick around. This is going to be a good one. All right. Yes, we are back. And you're probably going, why the fuck did they take a break already? <laughs> well, it's because I was out of whiskey. Everybody drink. You ready? Go. Ah, uh, yeah. That and uh, can't smoke in the house, so I use a, a vaping device. <laughs> You're going, oh, of course he does. Yeah, of course he does. He's an opinionated fuck, so he, yes, he vapes. Well, nah, I don't smoke cigarettes anymore, so I do this. Yeah, delicious. Yeah, and that's even bourbon flavored. <laughs> Overkill, right? Yeah. Anyway, yeah, tonight's episode is about the split, and a lot of people remember it. A lot of people don't think about it, I guess. But, yeah, back in the early to mid-'80s, there was a split. Um, you know, started out with Black Sabbath, Zeppelin, Deep Purple, Uriah Heap, you know, all the heavy rock bands. They were that. They were heavy rock. And there's some debate on the phrase, you know, that was coined heavy metal at to get this genre going and and nobody knows exactly when that was but this split is is kind of uh, we'll really get into it but it's uh you know bands starting getting heavier and faster and other bands stuck more towards the california you know uh strip sound and it, we kind of split a little bit from there but uh let's go back and and I, I actually researched this and dug into it kind of deep, trying to figure out where the term heavy metal came from. There's so many different legends and stories about where it came from. And I kind of researched each one of those. And <clears throat> the first time I think anybody heard it, you know, over the airwaves is when Steppenwolf, you know, Born to be Wild, when they, you know, sang about the heavy metal thunder. And uh, there was another legend or rumor that uh sandy perlman which was the manager and also a rock critic um for a lot of magazines but he was the manager of blue cult he referred to the band blue cult as heavy metal and uh i read a few articles i went back and actually read a bunch of his articles and nowhere in print does he say the word heavy the words heavy metal describing any band much less Blue Oyster Colt, which is a great band. Love that band. Seen that band, I don't know how many times. They're still killing it. Just saw them last year, and they're amazing. Uh, what a train ride that was, man. <laughs> we went up from Oregon all the way up to Seattle to see them on a train. And, whew, yeah, it wasn't an Amtrak. That was a fucking whiskey train. <laughs> yeah, anybody that was with us knows that was a good time. Anyway, uh, a lot of people thought Lester Bangs was the first one. Um, what a fucking jackass that guy was he wrote for cream the editor of cream but uh again i went back and looked at all his articles and did some research on that and no nowhere to be found where he puts the two words heavy metal together describing he did later on but it, he wasn't the first um a lot of people thought maybe it was based on william burroughs the author his book naked lunch from 1959 um had some characters in it that, you know, anyway, it, it didn't really pertain to this. I think that was more of a fantasy thing. Um, the actual term heavy metal first appeared in print in an article written by Mike Saunders in May of 1971. He did a review of Sir Lord Baltimore's debut, Kingdom Come, 
off the Mercury label for Cream. And that's the first time it was actually in print. And uh, I think he was trying to describe more of the, the tone of the album. Uh, you know, a heavy metallic sound. He said he got it from the Table of Elements, you know. And uh, so that's actually, I think there's a lot of people who can corroborate that that was the first time that was used in an, in an article describing harder rock. And, uh, but, you know, no matter what, no matter who or when or why, the term came about, it just did. And it's stuck for years, you know, 50 years now. And uh, here we are. <laughs> with one million subgenres and counting, right? <laughs> so many of them. And it's ridiculous. I think it's kind of like porn. So you can just get your very specific <laughs> likes. It's pretty crazy. But, uh, you know, in the early days, it was just all heavy metal. And, you know, the bands like Budgie, Angel Witch, Diamond Head, Saxon, even Styx, Rush, and Triumph, they were all classified as heavy metal and and i remember seeing a show a heavy metal show and it was uh it was def leopard opening for you know the southern rock band blackfoot and nobody batted an eye i mean that's just that's just the way it was it was you know quiet right open for zz top pat travers played shows with motorhead it was just nobody batted an eye on it you know and it was just normal and it was just heavy rock bands with attitude and guitar-driven songs, and they were just built together, and nobody thought anything of it, you know. And nowadays, you've got, like, one end of the spectrum to the other. You've got, I've seen festival lineups where Leonard Skinner and Slipknot play the same day. I mean, <laughs> that's pretty fucking crazy. I mean, and, you know, and then on, like, the local level, when there are multiple bands trying to get into a venue or a club, which is, you know, more feasible for those bands. You need, you want more bands to get a bigger draw, you know, bigger pot and, you know, get a little bit more money. But, you know, a lot of the melodic traditional metal bands with the clean vocals, man, they think twice about jumping on a bill with a, like a technical death metal band with, you know, the pig squealing shit vocals. <laughs> vocals, yeah. And the droning Morse code rhythms and time with a fucking machine gun. Oh, my God. You know, <laughs> I'm going to tell you right now, uh, death metal does have its place. It lasted for about 30 fucking seconds. And the old the old death metal is good. I, you know, I dug it. it. This new fucking technical. God. Fucking uh, trailer park. Fucking brutalness, man. It's just fucking, it's nothing but attitude. I mean, yes, metal is attitude. It has attitude, but it's not all just fucking attitude. It's fucking ridiculous. Anyway, I, I can't stand, there are people who cannot stand clean vocals. They hate them, and they consider it not metal at all. And, okay, the only thing I can say to you is fuck you. Because <laughs> metal is not fucking pig squeals and grunting and that's, and no. I know Udo and Lemmy and all had gruffer voices, you know, and Blitz from Overkill, and it's kind of evolved, but now it's just, it's fucking stupid. I can't stand it, okay? Enough with the brocore machismo. <laughs> uh, I bet a lot of people are just screaming at me right now. And, you know, I don't do this just to piss people off. I honestly don't like that shit. It's terrible. I don't, even if I was 19, I would think, this is fucking terrible. 
it's just so fucking machine gun driven technical bullshit. It just, oh my God. Uh, let's see if we can play in 13, eight time. Why? <laughs> Why? Why don't you just fucking play what you feel? Yeah. All right. Anyway, you know, I digress, which I, I do a lot of, <laughs> you know, and the, the early years were way more simple. I mean, thundering drum beats, fast distorted guitars and attitude. That was metal. And of course, some bands were heavier and faster than others, but it was it was generalized as heavy metal, even in 82. I mean, look at look at the S Festival on Metal Day. It was pretty diverse. I mean, nowadays, these lineups, you'd be like, what? But back then it was it was totally acceptable. I mean, Ozzy and Triumph, Van Halen and Judas Priest. I mean, nobody batted an eye, man. It was all metal back then. It was all welcome. You know, and as these bands grew and matured, obviously their sound did as well. You know, and some of them, each of them became a bit faster and harder as each album was released. And obviously some did it in a not so mainstream popularity. There were bands that were super fast and heavy for that time, but they were relatively underground and didn't have large followings. You know, and an early band built on sp speed, you know, was Exciter from Canada. And they began way back in 78. And coincidentally, they took their name from the Judas Priest song, Exciter, which is well known for being one of the earliest speed-driven metal songs, you know, with the double bass and everything. And, you know, that song, when it came out, was considered, you know, pretty fast and pretty heavy. And, you know, Deep Purple's Fireball was a, you know, fast-paced double kick song. And, of course, Motorhead was one of the earliest speed freaks, but they didn't see much mainstream popularity until later, you know, in the early 80s. But uh, I think, and I think a lot of other people agree, that the defining moment had to come at a pivotal time. I mean, metal was gaining fans and popularity, especially by 82, and more bands were getting signed and opening the floodgates for fans to find all kinds of metal. But a German band, not known for being speedy, who had a few, few albums under their wings already, they timed it perfectly perfectly they were on the verge of hitting it big and they're a cross of judas priest and acdc to me with of course those german waltzes and the oompa undertones <laughs> yes i'm talking about except and everybody knows what song i'm talking about everybody knows where they were when they dropped the needle on this you know the first side first track first song and they heard that they heard that fucking scratchy record. That little, sound like a little girl singing at the beginning. Heidi, Heidi, Yeah, you know right where you were when you heard that. And then you heard that fucking Udo scream over the top of that with the record just scratching all over the place. And then it hit. Then it fucking hit, man. The drums, the double bass just pounding, the galloping guitars. It was just, holy shit, right? I mean, that was, that set it off. Because, you know, that that really put Accept on the map. That whole album is fucking amazing. That, to me, I that's my favorite Accept album of all time. And I was a fan before that album. And I love a bunch of albums after that. I like the new Accept, too. Really good stuff. But that just, that album was perfect. And it was timed perfectly. And the... You know, the rest of the record wasn't like that. It wasn't that fast. And I know a lot of people are saying, you know, all that. Faster Shark's really not that fast. Not 
compared to what they're doing nowadays, of course. Nowadays, it's just about how fucking small a dick you got, I guess, and just how fast you can fucking go. You might as well drive one of those giant fucking four-wheel drive trucks all over the place. (laughs) It's just too stupid now. It's just gotten out out of hand. But, I mean, that came at the right time. And the rest, like I said, the rest of the album wasn't super fast, but it was super tasty. There's not a bad track on that whole album. Every song on there is so good. I mean, Restless and Wild, Neon Nights, Shake Your Heads. It was all it was amazing. Oh, yeah. So I'm going to take a quote here. Uh, it's blazingly fast double bass drumming is recognized today as reaching a new level in the development of the subgenre of speed and power metal. The intro to the track is a snippet from a crackly old children's recording of a traditional German tune titled Finn, Elle und Batzen. English translation, a farthing and a penny. The band thought it would be a humorous contrast with their heavy metal sound and the fact that a young Dieter Dierks, in whose studio the album was recorded, was singing on the record made it even more of an inside joke. The band soon found themselves in an unintended controversy. However, even though the song dated from 1930, I'm sorry, 1830, it was a popular marching song during the Nazi era and still held that connotation for many listeners, a fact the band was unaware of at the time. So out of a funny little idea, we created somewhat of a monster, Wolf Hoffman recalls. So I, I credit except for bringing speed metal to the masses in commercial style. A thousand bands were launched from that song. A thousand. Yes, they were. And so it began. The split, you know, bands like Metallica were already formed and pushing the limits of speed and heaviness, but were not fully out of the underground at that point. When Kill 'Em All hit, that changed everything. Kids were looking for harder, heavier, and much faster metal than the typical priest and maiden. Meanwhile, another scene was shaping up to compete and take their share of the fans as well. The L.A. Strip. The L.A. Strip was a hotbed of metal bands. All right, I need another whiskey. I'll be right back. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. All right, yeah. I went to the lobby. And I got myself a treat. Did you get yourself a treat? <laughs> I know it wasn't very long, but I hit pause. <laughs> it's the magic of podcasting. Mm. So where were we? Oh, yeah, the L.A. Strip. I sound like an idiot on that last one. <laughs> yeah, L.A. was a mecca for the growing American metal scene. Homegrown bands like Van Halen and Quiet Riot played up and down the Strip on all the trendy clubs. You know, the Whiskey, the Troubadour, Gazaris. I mean, those are all just, you know, legendary down there. And they're known all over the world. I mean, it's like Lemoore's back east. I mean, it was all the bands played there, you know. And, and they were paving the way for bands like Motley Crue, Rat, Dawkin, Wasp. I mean, yeah, their sound was more blues-driven, simple and straightforward heavy rock. But they all had that token Van Halen-esque gunslinger guitar player. I mean, you know, G.I.T., you know, all their grads and, and, you know, their students were abound with plenty of theory and flash. 
all that, you know, simple rhythms and shredder solos made for a more friendlier equation for FM radio airplay. I mean, they got more airplay, obviously. Um, They're a little more melodic, you know, and glam, or later on, as it was called, hair metal. Uh, You know, they drew from the stage attire of the leather and spiked clad new album counterparts, but they had more of an androgynous androgynous edge. Yeah, I'm slurring. (laughs) About five whiskeys in. Yeah. But, you know, they dress more in, like, high heels and, of course, makeup. And each of those bands were trying to outdo the next one. Um, I remember, (laughs) I'm going to digress here. So I I remember, you know, if you heard last week's episode, which was about the Rainbow Music Hall in Denver, I I spent six years down in Denver, and it was kind of a pivotal time for me. It was my, you know, adolescence, and I was really getting into this music and getting deeper and deeper into it. I remember going to, there was a record store on Alameda uh, called JBNH, and they had... They were mostly catered to metal, but I mean, you know, it was also, you know, a pipe shop. <laughs> you could get your pipe. And I remember going there one time and uh, we were trying to get a pipe because we had some stuff to smoke and, uh, and we had nothing to smoke it out of. We didn't have a Coke can or anything like that. And, and we went in and bought a pipe and the guy behind the counter is like, would you like a screen for that? You know, <laughs> all on the down low, would you like a screen? So different nowadays, right? <laughs> so di- Anyway, we were in there. And of course, we're looking at all the albums that they got. And we're trying to find something that nobody else has. You know, we're looking through all the imports and all that stuff. There was a local band called Gauntlet from Denver at the time that had a really cool look. Uh, they they weren't that great sounding, but I mean, they had a really cool look. Um, and I walked over and I seen this this album on the end of a on the end of an aisle, and I'm like, holy shit! I mean, these chicks are hot, man. I mean, they're, like, smoking hot. I'm like, one of them looks like a really, really hot Goldie Hawn. I mean, these, this is, I might get this to see what these chicks sound like. My my buddy Willie's there with me, and he's over looking at a bunch of other albums. I'm like, hey, did you see these chicks? And he looks over at me, and he looks at the album, and he's like, yeah, those are dudes. <laughs> they're called Poison. I'm like, what? <laughs> these are dudes? Of course, I had to look really close. Yeah, they were dudes. <laughs> I'd have done every one of them, though, right? <laughs> anyway, yeah, that's not piggish or nothing. Anyway, that was a very, that genre was a very female-friendly, you know, and that drove record sales. And, of course, that drove record companies to sign more and more of those stylistic kind of bands, you know, for, to record deals. You know, And early on, these bands and the heavier, more speed type went together quite well. But, you know, as the party rockers become more, bright and flashy the 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 speedy guys the the fast you know this is where they kind of start to split a little bit and and not it's not really even a friendly spit split it was kind of i don't know it became something something different yeah and not only different but it it became you know the guys over in more of the heavier the heavier stuff which and i went this sounds weird I went both ways. <laughs> I like both. I really did. Um, I did tend to lean more to the the heavier side, but it it, it came to the point sometimes where uh, the heavy guys, speedy guys, were looking at the guys who listen to Doc and all that stuff as posers, and you know I didn't see that. I still liked all that stuff. I like kicks, 
and and of course docking um wasp wasp was one of those kind of crossover bands they kind of they got to play both sides of the fence there um you know because i did see them you know in the late 80s with kiss and then in the early 80s i seen them with slayer and raven i mean they were kind of the the middle of the road guys there that held the torch for both sides but um it was it was kind of silly it was uh yeah the 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 glam or whatever the la guys they were posers and i I didn't see that. I, I I branched off, and I you know I started getting in. You just go, of course, Kill 'Em All came out, and I got into that big time. Loved it, and kind of ate that side up more. Uh, Megadeth, Overkill, Anthrax. I went that route, and you know of course I still listened to the the other side, and and I welcomed it, and uh, it just it that's where it really split, and it was terrible to go to some of the shows. And see how some of the other guys were treating them. And it was just, it was silly. But of course, by the late 80s, when, you, you know, you're starting to get into the, you know, the trickster and the firehouse, it just got so pummeled by by the record companies to, to have these huge power ballads and, and look really, really girly. And because that's what was selling. And they were just, just laying on the syrup by then. It was just, and it was terrible. And then I'm like, yeah, this this is, and that's ultimately what what killed metal. I mean, th- there were so many fans looking for something other than that, just shoved down your throat, syrupy, big hairband crap. That's that's where grunge came in, and oh, what a shit show that was. Yeah, I, I'm sorry, I I can't fucking stand grunge. The '90s just were terrible. Even the bands I love from the 80s that had albums in the 90s were some of the worst albums. And I don't know if they were trying to kind of catch up and play with the grunge kind of sound. There were some bands that just put out some terrible albums because I think they were trying to sound like that and and trying to gain an audience that way. And, you know, more power to them for for trying something different and and getting it out there and trying to win over new fans and things like that. But I think the stigma from already being an 80s metal band, you were fucked. It was was done. It was over. Um, I, in the early 90s, I got to see, I can't remember what tour it was, but Alice in Chains opened for Anthrax, and this was in in Chicago. I believe it was the Aragon Ballroom. And uh, Alice in Chains was great. They were really good. I, I don't like that band, but they were really good. But they got booed off the stage. It was crazy. And I thought at that moment in time that, yeah, this this flash in the pan, Seattle garage band scene's not going to last. It's it's too simple. Uh, of course, Allison Chains wasn't, that, but I mean, like the Nirvana, that crap was just it was just too simple. But it was the total opposite of the Firehouse and Trickster and Skid Row. It was the total opposite of that. And and I can see how some people latched onto it because that was you know that was cool to them that made them more edgy as a fan as a music fan i i get it but i mean substance wise it it was no no different than that glammy crap that was that was not there was no substance it was it was woe is me bullshit and i hated it and i still hate it and i'll always hate it and it's what killed the music i loved i believe that and that fucking shitty commercial hair band music that it's what killed it right there. I mean, I'm Maiden fan till the day I die, till the day I die. 
And, and I know it's not hip to say it, but I, the, the nineties maiden albums sucked. I didn't like them. I didn't, you know, even the blaze Bailey stuff. I love blaze Bailey, but I just, they're not that great. And you can try to tell me that they're, they're awesome. Oh no, you need to listen to them again. And it's, they're really good. And it's like, no, they're not, they're not maiden. I mean, we were, we wanted iron fucking maiden. I know that was never going to come back. Uh, once Bruce left and everything changed musically that way. I mean, it was, yeah, it was still maiden, but it was not maiden. It was, it was sad, man. And nothing that you say to me is going to change my opinion on that. There are some good songs. There's some great songs from those albums, but they're not fucking maiden songs. And that, you know, that's really all I got to say about that. We're coming up on our half hour here and I like to do just a half hour. Um, yeah, other than that, you know, we're all passed out. <laughs> so, yeah, I might just next week on episode four, we might continue this and, and do a part two on it because I did do some rambling on it. And I'd like to get into some more technical aspects and how this how this split went. Um, I'll do some more research and uh, other than just my opinions. <laughs> so. But I hope you enjoyed that. Um, next up, I yeah, let me go grab some uh, paperwork, my scriptage on, on some of the new bands and what's going on right now during this whole shutdown because nobody's doing anything because you can't. You can't come out of your house, you know, unless you're an essential and you go to work. But other than that, yeah, they're not playing anywhere. Um, I'm going to see if I can find some live streams that are coming up and things like that. But, yeah, uh, let me go dig up some news on Time Rift, which is a really fucking great band, which is a fucking three-piece. In the, oh, yeah, really good. And uh, I'm going to see if I can dig up some news on Silver Talon. Maybe I can get a hold of Wyatt or Bryce or something and, and see what's going on. I know they got an album coming out soon. And, yes, that old band that's still around, that's killing it, um, yeah, Armored Saint. So uh, I'll be right back, and I'll update you on that. So yeah, Time Rift, uh, killer three piece, killer three piece. Their uh, debut album, Eternal Rock, is officially available both digitally and on limited edition cassette. So uh, go over to their Bandcamp page, please, and do it. Um, great band live, they kill it. A lot of energy. If you're into the the old school like UFO kind of rock, I mean straightforward, just fucking beat your face in. You go check them out. Time Rift is amazing, great band. I got to see them last year with uh, Idle Hands and Haunt up in uh, Portland. It, great show, fucking lots of energy. They opened it and it just fucking killed it. A really good band. Um, yeah, check them out. Also, this is probably a little late now, but uh, if you can, I believe it's May first. Speaking of Bandcamp. Uh, May 1st, Bandcamp's going to waive all their their fees or their cut uh, for these bands. Um, they're going to get 100%. The bands are going to get 100% of the profits when you go in and order, you know, 
digital downloads or anything like that from their Bandcamp page, that which is awesome, which is helping them out during this this time of need. So if if you're looking for some new music, you head over to Bandcamp, um, check out these traditional metal bands. They're really good. Uh, a bunch of them up there got some new stuff coming out, like Bloodstar. Go and go and get their stuff. Uh, Time Riff, like I just talked about, go grab their stuff. You know, Idle Hands. Uh, Silver Talon Just go find it And uh, yeah You will not be disappointed And speaking of Silver Talon Yeah They got an album coming out this fall And it's going to be called Decadence and Decay So be looking forward to that Because I mean Go get their, their demo that they got Go get up on Bandcamp band and get grab that It's really fucking good um, If you like You know Super speed melodic Shredding killer vocals, well produced. I mean, uh, they got some members from Spellcaster, members from Sanctifier. When all that w- went downhill, and they, they these guys formed, it's amazing. Go check them out. Silver Talon's really, really fucking good. Oh yeah, and we got some news on Armored Saint. Their album is mixed, and it's going to be mastered, and it's going to be due out this fall as well. Love Armored Saint. Uh, great, great band. Been around for a long time. Great East Coast, I guess you'd say, you know, kind of a thrash band a little bit. Um, great stuff. I'm um, looking forward to hearing that, man. So go check that out. Make sure you seek that out and find it. And also, I'd like to bring up that the Hyperspace Metal Festival 3 is uh, has been announced. Um, hopefully, all this COVID shit goes away by then. This is September 4th. And it's going to be at the rickshaw up in Vancouver, British Columbia. And I know that's kind of far away for some people. But, man, if you can get to this thing, I mean, it, it's it's a crazy lineup. I'm talking the Striker, Iron Kingdom, Judicator, Traveler. I mean, come on. Uh, Silver Talon, which we just talked about. I mean, this is this bill is crazy. And if if somehow you can get up there and check it out in September when we're all through this bullshit that's going on and we want to celebrate and have a good fucking time, this is going to be the festival. I'm going to try to get up to this thing. It's going to be great. So uh, check that out. Um, Like I said, next week we're going to try to do a part two to this. I won't ramble as much, hopefully. I can't promise you anything. (laughs) But, yeah, we're going to try to do a part two and get a little more technical on this split that happened and uh, see where we went and where we ended up today. So have a good week, and we will see you next week. And until then, metalheads, uh, keep drinking whiskey. We'll see you.